my favorite things as a parent is to watch my children playing by themselves. Yes, it makes me happy when my children don't need me constantly. <laughs> but that is not what I really love. What I really love is listening to their imaginations at work. I love hearing the make-believe scenarios they invent. I love hearing them make up dialogue with different voices for like each toy that they're playing with. I came in the other day and, Henry, and Jimmy has like a transformer and a matchbox car and some other random thing and each, all of them were together in some, some scenario in his mind. <laughs> it's great. Seeing that awakens the imagination that is often dormant in me. Like many kids, I used to imagine the floor was lava. <laughs> Remember this? Jumping from cushions to chairs to whatever you could set out. Uh, I love building forts out of pillows and blankets and cardboard boxes and cushions and all that kind of stuff. But one of the best things in the childhood imagination was quicksand. Do you remember, did you guys do this? Did you make up quicksand scenarios? One of the best things about quicksand is that it could happen anywhere. You're like suddenly, you're hanging out somewhere, your brother's chasing you, it's like, oh, there's quicksand there. Watch out, there's, there's quicksand over there. Uh, it could just pop up. Quicksand entered the, the popular culture and it seems to have its heyday in the 1960s cinema. Uh, this is ridiculous. During the 60s, 3% of all films involves a scenario in which someone was sinking in clay, mud, or sand. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty amazing. It turns out that a human or animal is unlikely to sink entirely into quicksand due to the higher density of the fluid. Quicksand has a density of about two grams per milliliter, whereas the density of the human body is only about one gram per milliliter. At that level of density, sinking further than roughly waist level in quicksand is actually impossible. <laughs> Objects with a higher density than quicksand will float if they're stationary. Um, for example, aluminum has a density of about 2.7 grams per milliliter, but a piece of aluminum will only float on top of it unless there's motion applied to the quicksand to change its texture, to change its uh, uh, status. The only thing that may cause a person to sink further in quicksand is continued or panicked movement. Not only will panic movement disrupt the density and cause a person to sink, but it is nearly impossible to make quick movements in quicksand. For example, removing a foot from quicksand at an average uh, movement for, for human beings at a speed of 0.01 milliseconds would require the force equivalent to lifting a car. But quicksand is only dangerous in quick movements. It is only dangerous if you panic. This week, the disciples find themselves 
in Galilean equivalent of quicksand. They are on a boat at night when a storm comes in, which is scary. But the lake they are on is not that big. I biked around the entirety of this lake in a leisurely half day involving swimming and lots of other cultural interactions. The shore is visible at all times from any point. And while the max depth is 141 feet, the lake in general is not remarkably deep. That said, the dangers the disciples were facing was real. 25% of drownings happen in water that is less than three feet deep, and they were likely on a small boat. In 1986, researchers discovered an ancient Galilean fishing boat from the first century uh, of the Common Era on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, a boat from Jesus' time on Jesus' corner of Jesus' lake. That boat was 27 feet long, 7.5 feet wide, and a height of 4 feet. That boat was small. <laughs> Even though they were not far from shore, they were likely in a boat that was very small and dangerous at night in a storm. And it makes sense that the disciples were afraid. But they were making it worse. They are struggling in the quicksand. They are bringing anxiety to an anxious situation. A few months ago, we talked about the family systems theory and the importance of self-differentiation in human development. Another crucial component of that same process is what Jewish rabbi and family therapist Edwin Friedman calls a non-anxious presence. A non-anxious presence. Friedman identifies anxiety as one of the most common characteristics of any emotional system. It makes sense. Anxiety is an expression of our group tendencies as animals. It is part of our fight-or-flight response. However, continued or chronic anxiety can impede normal decision-making. Friedman says, chronic anxiety may be compared to a volatile atmosphere of a room filled with gas fumes, where any sparking incident could set off an explosion. Those who are caught up with anxiety will look for matches and sparks. A non-anxious presence will focus on dispersing the fumes. The non-anxious presence will use a rope to slowly pull someone out of quicksand rather than inciting panic that will lead the person to sink deeper. Friedman came to this insight by observing families in their dysfunction. In particular, he observed emotionally regressed and highly reactive families. He said, members of highly reactive families wind up constantly focused on the latest, most immediate crisis, and they remain almost totally incapable of gaining the distance that would enable them to see the emotional processes in which they are engulfed. The emotionally regressed family will stay fixed on its symptoms, and family thinking processes will become stuck 
on the content of specific issues rather than on the emotional processes that are driving those matters to become issues. Systemic anxiety thus locks everyone into a pessimistic focus on the pathology within the family, and it becomes almost impossible for such systems to reorient themselves to focus on their inherent strengths. Did I lose you? Are you with me? This is true for families, but it is also true for political groups, co-workers, sports teams, churches, and Galilean fishermen. We get so caught up in the storms that we forget we can swim. We are so busy panicking in the quicksand that we forget how quicksand work, we, works. We forget who is in control. We forget who is right there in the boat with us. There in the boat, Jesus gets up, and what does he say? Peace. Be still. He says it to the storm, but it applies to each of us. Peace, be still. The non-anxious presence. Yes, the quieting of the storm is a display of Jesus' power. It is absolutely a story in which Jesus reveals his divinity, but it is also a story that reveals his humanity, the best of his humanity, the ability to shut down the reptilian brain, the fight-or-flight response, and say, Peace. Be still. It is the non-anxious presence grounded in the reality of God with us. God with us. Always. That is what we see in the David and Goliath story. If you can remember, that's that long story we read. <laughs> it is not just a tale of the underdog. This is a story of the power of God. A story of trust. Like we said last week, the Greek word for faith is pistis, trust. David, the boy, takes on the giant Goliath when no one else will, will because he trusts that God will save him. Did you hear what he said about that? David said, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. While all of Israel is held captive with anxiety, David is a non-anxious presence. That is what it takes to defeat the giant, to slay the enemy. Non-anxious presence. The ability to acknowledge our emotions and then analyze the circumstances that are causing them so that we can come to a solution. With that clarity of thought, we can see that immigrant children separated from their families don't need us to be anxious for them. They don't need us to worry. They need us to make a difference. To stop what is happening. To correct the momentum. Panic and sorrow 
won't solve our problems. But clarity of thought brought on by non-anxious presence can. We all go through anxious times. There are plenty of times when we are not able to help someone who is trapped in the quicksand. Plenty of times when we are waist-deep in it ourselves. As Friedman wrote, the grass is only greener when you're not caring for your own lawn. When those times come, it helps to know the one who can calm all storms. The firm ground of all being. We need that non-anxious presence. We need the voice saying, peace, be still. We need the one who calms the storm. Amen. Amen.